Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. We're live here at F3. It's day two. We've got a fantastic episode for us today. For those joining us virtually as well as for those in the crowd, always happy to have you here. Um, Tony, we uh, we had a great first day yesterday. Um, if you're like me, you might have some T.I. songs stuck in your head. I do. Um, it was a great time. Good concert last night at the After Hours Party. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the bullwhip effect, particularly of carriers exiting the market, entering and exiting the market. Yeah. And we're joined by very special guest, uh, Ben Ritchie, VP of Logistics at SRS. How are you? I'm great. It's great to be here. It's always great to talk to you guys. Yeah. So please advise us on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I was, Good. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 I've, I've got my please advise hat on. I'm part of the please advise hat club. Nice. So and, it's an elite club. It is an elite club. You have to pass. There's a lot of gates to get through to become a member, but I passed all of them. I get a hat, and uh, so I'm so I'm in the club now. So I want to support. I want to support the please advise hat club. But yeah, very important. Let's talk, let's talk about the bullet. Let's talk about it. So, uh, uh, Ben, just maybe give a thirty-second introduction on you know you know obviously you're you're at SRS, massive company, right? You guys have a lot going on, but you know, give us the the thirty-second journey of your logistics uh, career. It's just great. To, yeah. Um. Well, uh, originally from New Jersey, I went to West Point. I graduated in nineteen ninety-eight. I um was in the army for ten years, first in the artillery, then in the special forces. Uh, got out in two thousand eight. And um, went and got did an MBA, and then I went to work for Amazon for a couple of years. Uh, then I got a call from uh, PepsiCo, the Gatorade side. So then I went to work for Quaker Gatorade. I was at PepsiCo for ten years. Uh, left there and went to work for uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company for a year and a half, which was an awesome, really fun uh, uh, experience and journey. Helped build out their logistics network, and then uh, SRS called. And uh, this is it's building products. It's I'm very used to CPG. Um, and I've, you know, I've had warehouse, transportation, fleet experience through, throughout my career. And this is now I'm and brokerage. And now this is at, at SRS. It's literally, it's all of those things, which is, which is, I love, like I get to kind of, uh, build, I get to, uh, um, form and shape where our logistics, uh, organization is going to go at, at SRS and it's mostly building products, also pool and landscape. Very cool. Thank you for that. So I think one one thing that you and I were talking about before the show, right, is there's 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 a lot of data out there in the marketplace, right? But something that we've been most recently discussing is this bullwhip effect. For for starters, let's just Tony, I'm gonna lean on you here. Let just for anybody that may not be familiar, what what is the bullwhip effect? Yeah, I mean it's one of the it's a phenomenon that happens, especially in freight, where you have these demand swings, right? And there's corrections of the capacity front to meet those demand swings. And it's this overcorrection, both on the top and then the bottom, right? We add too much capacity, demand goes away. Capacity leaves the market, demand starts to rise. We're undersupplied in the market. And that's this phenomenon, and it's what creates these boom and bust cycles in transportation. And ultimately, we are in the middle of that downside of the bullwhip at the moment. Right? Well what is what what causes them to happen so violently in the freight market i mean the lack of the barriers to entry are so small right i mean it's i don't want to say it's it's not capital intensive in the way that other businesses are you can get a cdl 
get an MC number, have active insurance, and you can be in the market, right? Cell phone. And even now, you can grow and have a TMS for free. And like the, the barriers to entry have gotten smaller over time, right? And now you see the effects. What, buying a used three-year-old truck now is back to what? 62,000 last update I saw. Yeah, it was 120 two years ago. But I mean, overall, it's relatively inexpensive to start a business. Right. I think, and that's primarily why it's so easy. And people don't want to break away from the large carriers. Yeah. Now, Ben, you and I were talking before the show we were about how truckload demand had risen so much. As a result, trucking authorities rose along with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've seen truckload demand fall. Carrier authorities are falling, but they, they've got a long way to go. In fact, can we, can we put that chart up? I think this is the one you and I were looking it's at. It's a great chart. I think, I think there it is right there. So white line is the five-year percent change in trucking authority. So up about 48% from this time five years ago. And then the orange line there is the percent change in truckload volume from this time five years. So up about 19%. So you've got 48% for trucking authorities, 19% for, for volume. Right. And, and obviously way too much capacity, which we all know uh, out there for, for the freight that's out there. And we kind of talked about this several months ago at uh, future supply chain. And, you know, I, I was I was thinking that we were gonna the bull the, along the lines of bullwhip like by end of end of this quarter definitely by Q one uh, we would see a, a massive uh, shift shift in the market and the rates would increase there wouldn't be enough capacity or capacity would would uh, would catch up or I should say I, I don't know if it's really catching up the capacity would decline faster than it has been so. This chart is really telling where it's like, no, it's actually not. There's so many out there. And we kind of talked um, at Future Supply Chain, too, about so many of these carriers also did so well. And I'm, I'm a huge I'm a huge carrier fan. I'm and again, I'm a, I'm a carrier. I'm a broker. I'm a, I'm a shipper. I'm like I'm all things. And I, I always root for carriers. I always root for drivers. So I'm happy that they did well, that they've been doing well. They were doing well. Now it's tougher. But like they've got a they apparently a long runway and i mean good for them the ones that can hang on freight will come back and they'll still be there but at the same the freight's not there right now and i think this chart tells us that um it's actually going to take a lot longer than i I know i was originally thinking for uh, um capacity to decline to the point where we're really going to see a change in rates yeah and and we look at it you see volume growth over the past few years you would expect to see volume growth when you think about the economy as a whole has grown over this time and you would see volumes grow naturally with the economy it's just telling that like you said they've held up better for longer and it sets us us to be lower for longer which is interesting because it's like you we need as bad as it sounds you need the exits right to to firm up the market but they had this there nest egg. I was like, there's a butt. Yeah, they, <laughs> they had this nest egg. And the smaller fleets, especially those were, that are deliberate and diligent in like how they were pricing and all of these things and, and the relationships they built throughout COVID. Because I think the COVID boom set up the ability to separate the transaction from uh, and the relationship. They became separate to an extent. 
you had those that were in the business just for simply the transaction and those that built the relationship and those that built the relationship can leverage the relationship now in a down market versus those that were transactional that are ultimately going to be the ones that get hurt. Right. Exactly. And I, I think there's the other but is the, the bullwhip. Yeah. So if you look at you know a straight line regression of how how uh, the, the speed with which capacity is exiting the market, we should we, I've, as a shipper I have a year of like great bids, great rates, yeah. and all. But something geopolitical, price of oil and gas, what it, something will occur, mm-hmm. not will occur, very potentially could occur, but very likely that will I always say like that's going to surprise surprise us, and in the middle of the year suddenly. You know, it, it will go from three or four or five hundred exiting the the market every week to like several thousand and re- exiting the market every week, and so and suddenly rates will increase. And shippers, this is why I'm always warning shippers: like, be ready, have a plan, mm-hmm. because you don't. We don't really know, and you, all all we know is well, we had the chart up earlier. All we know is what that chart's telling us now. But be prepared for that chart to swing because of the bullwhip effect that we just can't predict. I keep saying like we can't predict it, which I don't like. I don't like that we can't predict yeah. it. I want to be able to predict everything, right? Make great decisions. That's right. what we use sonar for all the time. But be aware of the things that can happen to change to, to bullwhip into that into those chart, into that line, into that uh, uh into that data set and uh change the speed with which things are happening, the magnitude. Yeah. Cuz the reality is we we really don't want or even need to lose all of that capacity that was added. I mean, volumes are 19% higher. So there is, there is legitimate growth there. But it's to your point, right? If if we start to lose all the volume that we've added, th- th- there's some pretty violent swings that happen. So I guess kind of from, from your perspective, right? Because you all, you're a shipper, right? You also have some of your own assets, right? You you, you kind of play play a couple, couple lenses there. And a small but mighty brokerage. So from that perspective, right? You know, you talk about being prepared, having a plan, right? What is that what does that look like, you know, if you're a carrier, if you're a shipper, if you're a broker, you know, what what does that look like? Yeah, it's, and that's a great, and Tony kind of alluded to it a minute ago. What we're working on is, is fundamentals. It's like anything you do in life. And let's go back to football. Let's go back to sports football. I'm also an old soldier. I'm always going to be an old soldier. Like be good at um, breathing, sight picture and trigger squeeze. Like that, that's what's going to make you good at shooting, not just shooting a lot. So, when it comes to logistics, it comes to freight, be good at the fundamentals. So from the brokerage perspective, um, be good at buying, have great carrier relationships, have great customer relationships, um, understand where your customers are going in their particular niche of, of industry, um, and and understand how you're going to react to changes in the market from the broker side, from the carrier side, from the, the shipper side. I mean, frankly, we're putting TMS in place right now. So we're nascent. We're just getting started, but that's put the fundamentals of uh, uh, transportation management, carrier management in place. And then be, I mean, it's easy for me to say this, but I think most people know what I mean. Be great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and it does always, to me, it always comes down to those long-term relationships. Who do you have a long-term relationship with that when t- times are tough for you, those relationships, they're going to take care of you. And when times are tough for them, you're going to legit take care of them too. I mean, take care of it doesn't mean like pay a carrier too much. But make sure that you, their rates are stable. Make sure that your rates are that you're getting productivity as a shipper. Carriers still making some money even in a tough market. Um, maybe not a lot, but when and when they can go make a lot of money, when it's shit, when it shifts, they don't they don't bail on you. 
Yeah. That's that comes down to relationship. And that's when I say fundamentals, that's the main fundamental that I'm talking about is relationship. Yeah. And I think another thing you could even add in that is understanding the customer, like what affects them, right? From a, a carrier or broker perspective, right? Like we can talk about it up here. I mean, CPG, what affects CPG and building and things like that? It's all different. And if you can understand like the customers you're talking to, what macro trends are affecting that customer base? It it allows you to have these conversations that it's like, okay, you do understand what my business is and what how ultimately how from a what how the shipper is making money, right? Because it's not in the movement of the goods. It's the goods that are moving is how they're making money. So it's like if you can understand what impacts those, you can kind of forecast a little better of like, oh, this is starting to heat up. Well, that means there may be opportunities, right? It's it's a understanding the customer base and doing just a it's not even a lot of research. It it's all pretty readily available to kind of understand these fundamentals. They're talked about on TV all the time and not just in freight just in the general media talks about these trends in the macro economy and how they affect certain businesses. Right. And if the large ones are feeling it, small ones definitely are too. For sure. And I, even with the recent exits, right? Mm -hmm. You look at some of those companies, I'm not pointing fingers or, you know, I, I, I haven't started a company, so I'm not going to point a finger at somebody that started a company that maybe didn't make it. They've done more than I did. So um, that's, not, that's not that at all. But you look at, did they have the fundamentals in place and there was a reason why, and there's there's the big ones that are in the news, but then there's a lot a lot of small ones, as we know, smaller ones. And you know, uh, um, I think from leadership of the company I'm at now, there's been questions around like, should we be worried, and what like where is all this going? My answer is, has been, I think a lot of the carriers that are that are departing right now, and the, some of the stuff we're seeing in the news, it, th those carriers, their fundamentals were not there, or they weren't solid. And so, and that's who's going to be exiting for a while. And so it's not really going to change the total market dramatically until if we start to see carriers who their fundamentals are solid, those ones are not making it. And then I'll, then I'll be worried. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and those carriers, you know, that have solid fundamentals, they'll, they'll be around, they'll, they'll weather the storm. They might, to your point, might not make a lot of money, but you know, they'll, they'll stick around. I want to go ahead and throw up one other chart, though, especially as we head towards the end of the year. This is our tender rejection chart, and I think it does a really nice job of kind of, A, it does show some seasonality, but also I think just really how soft the market is, too, as we as we know it, but, and, but with the different modes. So um, this is this is hard for us to see with the lights, but I'll do my best. So the so white line at the bottom is your van tender rejection sitting at 2.8%, which basically says that, you know, carriers are accepting, van carriers are accepting virtually everything that's being offered to them almost 98% of it, right? Then you have uh, the blue line there is reefer sitting at just under 8%, which has, which has been rising for the last uh, month or so, as we would expect with Thanksgiving coming. And then flatbed in, uh, is that yellow, yellow or green, flatbed, just under 10%. The highest it's been actually probably since it looks like July, um, which is, uh, I know the flatbed is, is primarily your world. So yeah. that there's quite a lot there. And flatbed does its own thing, man. Yeah. It, it's like, I, I've kind of really enjoyed learning about flatbed. It's a different, it's a different world. And, um, I, I, I enjoy it because I'm getting to learn something really to learn a whole niche here. Um, and, and it's interesting to, to see it, that it's, it's gotten a little bit tighter recently, which is, I think is a good thing. I don't think it's exits. I think it's just, you know, there's, 
a little bit more. There was a little bit of uptick in housing. I mean, I know there's a lot more authorities than building is happening. And, you know, the, with interest rates the way they are and the Fed doing what they're doing, people don't want to buy houses. Um, but, you know, I jog around my neighborhood and I see there's still houses going up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's we still talk, happening. We talked about this not long ago, right? It was like the Fed is raising interest rates, but then you still have what? The infrastructure bill. There's still some spending there. So they're, they're fighting each other a bit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're pulling two separate levers and they're working against each other to some extent. I think it is interesting, though, like you mentioned, there are still houses. I mean, the supply of houses is still not meeting demand levels. And they're, so they can have to continue to build. I mean, even at 10%, I mean, that's, his, I don't say historically low, because we have reached lower, but like on a relative scale, like when we're talking about a loose market or soft market, 10% on flatbed is, is fairly soft. I think you look at 2.8% on, on the van is the probably the more telling of where the market in aggregate is. Right. And I mean, I've had questions asked to me, it's like, We've seen these failures, but then you haven't seen the freight show up. And it's like, well, you've had you've had a growth in, in brokerage and asset-based carriers, and they've moved higher on the routing guide, and you're at 98% acceptance. The likelihood of your second in the routing guide that it's probably moving to, if you have some of these failures, they're not going to let go of that freight either, right? They need it because they were already limited in what they were getting at the beginning. So it's like... It's just not going to go through the whole routing guide, and it's ultimately not going to flow into the spot market. It's why you haven't seen prices firm up in the market, even with some of the failures of the size that we've seen recently. Totally. So I guess kind of let, let's let's uh, uh, dust off your crystal ball here for just a minute, right? So um, yeah, I left mine at home, but if you could, right? Let's we we talk about nobody can really predict where the market is, but if if you had to make a guess, right? And I guess kind of I'll, I'll ask both of you this. Ben, we'll start with you. We've seen these bullwhip effects happen a lot, right? A lot of violent cycles. Do you think we should, are we going to continue to see that? Will the market improve? Will it become less violent or more violent? What, what yeah. are your thoughts there? I, I'm, I'm sticking to my, to my mantra here, which is I, I, there's, I think I predict that there's going to be a bullwhip effect in the market. Basically what I've been saying is, and, I, I'm going to see that, or I'm going to say that it's there. I'm seeing that it's there until it's not until I see some kind of some semblance of normalcy in any direction mm -hmm. uh, where we don't have wild swings from that bullwhip. Um, you, you know, I just think of that thing, you know, like Indiana Jones, like he's doing it. Yeah. And like, you, you don't know what that thing's going to do at the tail end of it, or even at the front. So you still have, but you still have to make predictions. This is this is one of the big things that I really appreciate. Like this is why sonar is so important, and where I really appreciate freight waves and sonar and 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 Craig's philosophy overall. Like you still have to make a prediction. You yes. still have to make a call. I think a lot of people have gotten to where they're like, well, there is this bullwhip, and that sort of is an excuse to like now I don't have to make a call. No, you still have to make a call, and you still have to kind of like figure out try to figure out what, what what are the things that could, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking about uh, inventory levels. Well, if inventory levels get too low, this logistics manager index, if, if we see in, uh, inventory getting too low and suddenly there's a surge, well, that's a catalyst. Yeah. Suddenly, and maybe there's not an, and, and, and authorities are continuing to drop. That could just come out of nowhere in the middle of next year. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's, it's so you have to have a plan for that. You still have to. So am, am I predicting that's going to happen? Not necessarily, but I'm aware that that could happen. And that's that's the bullwhip, though. So be aware of what the bullwhip could do. Be ready for as much of it as you can reasonably and make still got to call your shot. I think it's, I mean, you kind of mentioned it's, it's hard to predict. I think the reason it's so hard to predict is you don't really get, you don't have any access from a small fleet perspective on, on what their financial situation is. I think that's what makes it so difficult, right? If, if everybody was public and you could see all those records, you could kind of gauge it out a little better. I think one of the interesting things is where do we go? It's kind of hard to tell just based on there's been, curveballs kind of thrown in right student loans just restarted what are the true impacts it's like those impacts may be masked right now because you've got holiday spending and retail spending that's going to continue like it it doesn't go away what happens in q1 and i think that's the hard part is like what are those true impacts because it will ultimately have some impact is it muted is like is it very minimal or is it people realize they don't have money to spend and like we're Americans, we're going to spend it. We're going to spend money. Spend, even yeah. if we don't, don't have the money, we're still going to spend it. Don't put it against the American consumer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, don't. And, but we it's, don't need money to spend money. <laughs> yeah, but do you max out? A, I guess the question exactly. is, do you max out a credit card and, or just keep spending till it's maxed out and realize, hey, now I really don't have any ability to spend. Until you get another credit card. <laughs> it's, it's... I'm, jo- I'm joking. No, I'm ha- it, sort of joking. It's one of those... It, it, that part is hard to predict. And then... Yeah. The smaller carrier, right? The small fleet yep. leaving is hard to predict. But I mean, you look at that trend line, you could see an uptick in demand of even 10%, which may not even be felt because we have so much capacity in the market. Well, well truckload demand uh, volume levels hit their bottom in February of this year, and they've been ticking up slowly ever since. I mean, really, volumes have been rising pretty much all year. They're they're, they've done fairly well so far this month, but to your point, there's still so much capacity, it's it's almost irrelevant. It's almost irrelevant. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where all that goes. Now, well, one thing you mentioned earlier, too, and I think this is, you know, in addition to the bullwhip effect you know, with, with demand and capacity, I think we're also seeing something with rates, too, that could accelerate it. Spot rates right now have basically been flat for the last 45 yeah. days. Mm-hmm. But if you take fuel out of account, they're actually down 6.5%. And I think that's that's a catalyst that could, re- if fuel continues to do what it's doing and, and rates stay flat, I think that could be a pretty big catalyst for uh, the bullwhip effect for capacity. And, and that's just what we were just talking about. I was thinking inventory uh, inventory levels, but fuel is the same. And with the geopolitical situation, I mean, that can swing wildly. And it's you just have to be know what you're going to do. And in some cases, that that you know, for a smaller carrier, that might mean okay, if it goes too high, like we're, we're out of business. Like know that that could be a possibility. It shouldn't surprise you or here's our plan for that and we may have to take a loss for some period of time um or if you, you carrier broker whoever whatever your, your business is but like that's a great example of something that like it can cause a, a totally i'd say unexpected bullwhip yeah. but i still say like you should ex- kind of expect it we're sitting here talking about it right yeah. you, if, if you're whether you're a shipper whether you're a shipper carrier broker those are the kinds of things you should be should be thinking about. That's part of the fundamentals we talked about. Yeah, you mentioned it. it it's knowing your operating costs, right? I mean, at the at the end yeah. of the day, if you know that, you know what your break even number is. Yes, fuel is variable based on on where you fill up and things like that. But you have an idea of what it's going to cost to operate your truck. Figure out what that cost is. Figure out the rate you need, and figure out 
work with your shippers and your brokers, right? Tell them, hey, I know what it costs me to operate. Mm. I'm going to take a loss and I will be out of business if this doesn't happen. And I've done this for however many years. I've moved this many loads. Like if you're not going to get the same service, right? Then sell the service. Yeah, but literally. you just have to know it. Yeah. And again, by the way, like I'm a, cha I'm a carrier champion. I love carriers. I love was one truck, 10 trucks, Night Swift. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a big carrier fan. I don't want anybody to go out of business, but I mean, know what, know what your financials are. Know, have, have your fundamentals in place. Understand your fundamentals, understand your PL and your sprint and, 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 and your balance sheet or, or, or your, um, your PL and, then look at all the possibilities and um i'm going to make one more prediction though too because we were just talking about it before i get too far away from it i think i don't know i don't really know why i don't have a reason for this necessarily but i don't think this this holiday peak will be as muted i think people are again back to the credit cards yeah get one more credit like i think people are just like gonna go i i just feel like people might go nuts this this holiday season and get you know especially presents for your kids and stuff they're just gonna be like well Things are not that great. I don't know what next year looks like, so I'm going to do it now. Yeah, I just feel like that might happen this this peak season. We might see a pretty big uptick. Volumes did just cross above 2022 levels, so we'll see. We'll see if it holds and maintains. Could be. Um, well, that's about all the time we have for today. Ben, thank you for joining us. Tony, of course, always Thanks. a pleasure. For those joining at home uh, on the live stream, always glad to have you there. Stay tuned. There's a lot more Freight Waves content. And if you're in person, we've got a great after hours event uh, at the Tennessee Aquarium tonight. So that'll be a lot of fun. And don't miss Brad Jacobs keynote coming up uh, here in just a few Very minutes. True. Yeah. Brad Jacobs keynote coming up. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Have awesome. a fantastic rest of your day. Stay tuned for more F3 content. Take care.